don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be afraid to have new experience. And don't dismiss things because of failure of understanding and and fear. I also believe, and I believe this is just a matter of my faith, and again, I don't think this is exclusive to us in our faith. It's got to be for everybody. But the notion of salvation, which is that we will somehow end up all okay. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband in Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband in Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's episode. And this week, we have a super special guest. He was Not hard to track just down. special, super special. Super special. It's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were able to track down the Jerry Sturgill. Who hey, was Hi. He's been part of our lives for a long time. Yeah. Part of Jessica and Steve's lives when they were married. Yeah. All of it. Basically all of it. He's counseled us through all of it. You really I, have. I, you have do, counseled do us we, through a lot. Do we lot. want to give a little timeline now or do we let that go as we... Well, we'll start into it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I feel like I've known you all from birth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Which may be an indication of how old I'm feeling. <laughs> I don't think you should feel old because I just consider you a good friend and your <laughs> wife. We all have this in common. And your kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, you've been very good, kind, great friends to us. <laughs> I mean, wow. and that's the common denominator, isn't it? That's always We're all nice. Friends, and we—I know that I love, <laughs> I love each one of you. <laughs> I really do. People, people caring. Likewise, people. It's a good example. You of know, us. that's that's the. Shall we say that's the baseline for everything? Yes, for true. sure. Very true. So let's start out. Like, how did you meet us first? Who did you meet first? Jessica, Steve? Do you remember? you remember how this relationship started? I think we met Jessica first. I am the loudest in the group. <laughs> you were the most noticeable, <laughs> probably. <laughs> so it would have been Jessica when you and I were married, newly married. We'd been married like a year and a half, two years when we moved, moved into the ward. And moved to Boise into the 13th ward. Yeah. And actually, you moved into the ward first without me. Oh, I did. So you probably met me first. Probably. I, met I came later on. Three months, four months. Something like that just, while I finished Jessica college. Did, well, yeah. So yeah. Was, this was right out of college? Right out of college. Uh -huh. I got a job in Boise. Jessica was finishing school. Okay. No, I, I remember meeting you, but I can't remember exactly when it was. And I can't sequence it. Yeah, I don't think I could with, either. And this would have been but I But I feel like we knew both of you pretty early on. Oh, yeah. Well, and I remember. But again, just the most. So noticeable. we're gonna give we're gonna give Jerry some grace <laughs> on trying to sequence this because this is a puzzle, and you're trying to remember the first piece of the puzzle right. that you started with. That's almost impossible. Yeah, and we I, don't remember. And I, and I have gotten quite a bit older. <laughs> also, you had a lot of people in your ward. <laughs> we That's were just, true too. Yeah, you were our one bishop, but you had many, many, hmm. many people to keep track of. Yeah. Well, and at this point, you were just a member of the congregation. 
right? I think oh, yeah, yeah, yeah first. That's right, because you weren't bishop at that yeah, point. First, yeah. I had not been. And I also know my brother had been in the ward, so you knew my brother. Right. And he was close with your son, and so I remember feeling like I had an instant there, connection to you. There are already some family ties there. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember who was the bishop when you first came to the ward? I believe Doughty. It, it was Doughty. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Which that comes full circle too, because Bishop Doughty ended up being stake president Doughty yeah. when Jessica and I were. Which we talked about in the last and episode. And when Jessica and I were. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. When so, I dated both of you, but not at the same time. <laughs> because I was, I was, I became Bishop later, but. I was in the bishopric that I actually followed President Doughty, okay. Bishop Doughty, then Bishop Doughty. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, and we were yeah we were gone for like three years and then came back. Yeah, so we moved away. We moved to Belize, right? Colorado, Oklahoma, then back. But we, I, so, we still kept track of you for sure. Yeah. Well, well, I was yeah we stayed say, in touch because sure. I came home when I was pregnant from Belize, so I came home for a couple weeks during the summer and. Your wife and a couple other ladies in that congregation threw me a baby shower while yeah. I was home. And I thought that was the sweetest thing. I mean, I was home for like a couple weeks and they went through that effort to make sure I had that. And again, when I married Matt, I was not expecting a bridal shower or anything. And they threw me a bridal shower. And I just remember these group of women that were so sweet to do that, to think of me. And I think actually the baby shower was in your backyard. Very well could was. have been. I adore your wife. She's just one of those people that whenever whenever I see her, and it's been years since I've seen her, I think, but whenever I do, it's like from across the room or across the street or whatever, she will like come running over and throw a big hug around me <laughs> and just she's so excited you to see You feel instantly me. loved yes, in your I family. Well, that's just, very nice of you to say. She is amazing. Yeah. She has the greatest warmth and the ability to really connect. She does. With people. I would say you both do. Well, She's better at it. <laughs> and you were so generous, you and Steve, when you were in Belize, because our daughter Jenna mm-hmm. had gotten married and they really couldn't afford to go on a fancy honeymoon. So I, <laughs> I cashed in as many frequent flyer miles as I could and Marriott points and sent them off to Belize and you guys hosted them in Belize. Yeah, yeah. that was fun. That we, was so great. the hookup down there. They came and stayed. <laughs> yeah. <the> resort. <laughs> they still talk about that. That's uh, awesome. That makes that me happy. That amazing So you just experience. created a wonderful memory for them and then vicariously for us. Oh, good. Yeah. And like we were saying, that is the cool thing that always makes me so happy about this relationship is that I forget some of these little things that have happened. I remember all of the things like that you guys have done for us. But I'm glad that it's both ways, like that we've done a few things for you along the way, too. <laughs> you, definitely, you, you definitely have. I really awesome. have. And then Matt, Matt was my counselor in the bishopric. Yeah. During part of this episode. Yes. yes. Part of this history. Yeah. So we moved back into the ward. All three of us kind of moved into the ward at the same time. Steve and I yeah. were divorced. Matt was divorced from his first wife. Yep. And so who moved in first? You, Jessica? And then Matt's Matt convinced. Okay, Matt, you moved, moved in, first. in first. I, yeah, I was. I had moved in during this time. I had moved in first. Yeah, I was kind of a back row sitter with my children. Right. <laughs> I stayed out of the limelight. Yep. Um, I was thankful for Bishop Stevens for giving me a calling in. I was a youth Sunday school teacher, and 
all I really did was I made sure my kids got to primary and then I got to class and yep. that was it. And so the people in the ward really didn't know I was really there, <laughs> which I was grateful <laughs> for. I didn't want to. So I've always said that if I write a book or when I write a book about my experience, I will name it outcast with the spotlight <laughs> on me. Why? We have Steve's I think it's funny book that... title name, but you've never told us yours. Yeah, that's the first we've heard of that. <laughs> oh, really? I do think it's funny that you and I have both come up with I'm titles the, for books yeah. that we have yet to even begin because to write. <laughs> with, I've, I've started a little bit of mine. Wow. But in the church, if you are divorced and a single parent, especially with children, you're almost the outcast. There's a stigma. There's a stigma. You're an outcast because you don't have a full family unit. Jessica doesn't and agree. She's making faces. You you keep going you finish your statement the, you don't fit the stereotype and so but at the same time the ward wants to try and make sure that you're taken care of right so you are this outcast with the spotlight on you of making sure that you're taken care of but you don't really fit the norms you're someone whose name is going to come up in a ward council meeting or right. uh, you know uh, hey how is matt and his kids doing he's a single father we need to check in on him kind of a thing right right yeah yeah and it did <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure no, after Matt and I got married, I feel like even more so it might have, but I don't know. But you were in those meetings at that point. Well, so yeah. So I was there watching, listening, participating in that whole process too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, Matt was, he was in the room. Yeah. You know, all the time. But when you first moved into the ward, I distinctly remember that. Yeah. Really? And you being there, and I do remember, and this some of this may be in your own head, right? You weren't completely quiet because we connected right. somehow. But I remember feeling, I've got to get to know this guy, <laughs> you know? Right. And kind of, I, I remember when we would have Elders Quorum up on the stage, and there would be sometimes, you were gone a lot because you traveled with, with a lot of the things that you do right. outside of the church. And then when you would come... I'd be like, you'd make a comment in Elder Quorum or something and be like, who is this guy? I don't even know who this guy is. But yeah, I definitely would connect before I even knew him of, hey, look, I need to get to know this guy. He's kind of mysterious because he's here sometimes, he's gone sometimes. I don't know who this guy is. CIA. So, but then I do remember <laughs> I do remember when he got called Bishop, I didn't even know who he was, really. Like, yeah. And that was kind of a, oh, he's never here. Which is funny because when I told Chris, his wife, that we were dating, she was like, he's in our ward? Like, <laughs> who is it? And I'm like, yeah, he kind of, I mean, he's not quiet, but he does keep to himself at church. But like, yeah, he's been in our ward as long as I have. Like, I yeah. moved in a couple weeks after him. And I had several people. That was their reaction. He's in our ward? <laughs> it always made me laugh. Yep. But before you got made bishop, I remember... Specifically, we're, again, Elders Quorum up on the stage, opening exercises in priesthood. And Bishop Stevens at the time, your boyfriend some from Arizona, I think, yeah. came up to visit. Jessica's. Bishop, yeah, Jessica's, <laughs> Jessica's boyfriend, not Steve. <laughs> um, came up to visit and Bishop Stevens was like glowing of, hey, this is the guy who's here to visit Jessica. And he was adamant about the fact that they were going to get married. <laughs> and, and I thought, I was like, oh, this is kind of strange. That, <laughs> Anyways, but. Matt's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to marry him. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways. All right, so you, Jessica, you moved into, no. 
Okay, Matt was in the ward first. Jessica, you then moved back when you and I split. Yeah. We're all here. You're in the ward. Yeah. And do you so remember? You, yeah, do you remember when Steve Jerry, and I were dating? Do you remember Jessica moving back into the ward when yeah. she and I yeah. divorced? You weren't Bishop at that point. Bishop Stevens. You was. just shortly after that, though, uh, is when right. he came in. So, okay, so then I moved back. Because you and I are going to, that's when I broke up with Sebastian in Oklahoma and I moved back because you and I were going to try again, Jessica. Yeah, and we were dating. Which we did for five months. And that's it's so funny. That's when you got called Bishop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, I guess the, it was would have been the conversation with Bishop Stevens where I moved into the ward and basically laid it out and said, hey, I'm sorry I'm in your ward <laughs> because here's all the problems I bring with this that I'm trying, like I'm gay and I just broke up with a guy and I'm trying to work things out with my now ex-wife that I just got divorced from a few months ago and like we're trying to make this work and I'm going to need a ton of help from you, my bishop. And that's when, right after that, is when he was released and Bishop Jerry, you were called as bishop. So I don't remember like yeah. our introductory conversations there, but I'm sure real quick you got the whole well, scoop of... I think most of the people in the ward knew what was going on. Oh yeah, because they knew us from before. They knew us and from before. They, I, you had, I had back. no idea. It's the Matt was in the dark. Because <laughs> Matt's Poor an Matt. outcast. We caught you up. Fairly quickly. Fairly quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't. I don't remember like. Jerry, well, do you our, remember our any of this? Well, I remember being aware. Yeah. You know, I don't remember how, whether we talked about it, or somehow I I was obviously aware. Yeah. And I think I think I think at least you and I were talking. I'm looking at Jessica sure. when I say this. Yeah. And I can't remember if you and I spoke. We did. Honestly. We we had. I don't remember a lot of the details, but I but know. But we'd spoken we, so many times before. I can't, yeah. I can't sort it yeah. at this point. <laughs> well, God, I'm glad it wasn't a traumatizing memory that but was I stuck in you, your brain. I of... promise you that wasn't why Bishop Stevens was released. Because <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't handle it. <laughs> but seriously, that had to have been a lot to drop in a bishop's lap of, yeah. hey, here's a gay guy who's trying to get back with his wife. Yeah. And you as a spiritual leader need to help him. Make that happen. Well, sure. and you Good had luck. just been through like a disciplinary council, like yeah, right before been, you left Oklahoma, and which all I think of is that. funny that we so, still have never talked about that on the podcast. Next but, episode, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> the one time you guys wanted to, I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. so you two had somewhat of a similar experience. You both yeah. come back to the ward. Now, when you say you both, I'm looking at Matt and Steve. That you both come back. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, we have all these expectations about what normal life should be for a faithful member of our church. Mm-hmm. And someone who. And, and none of us fit that mold. And none of you fit that mold. No. But you know what? You were in the right ward, I would yeah. say. Yeah. This is a shout out to the 13th ward. Yes. Heck yeah. The, the thing about the 13th ward in the Boise State is that. It's probably one of the most diverse wards I've ever lived in. It is. The only ward I can compare it to is the word that we moved from when we moved here from New York. That's awesome. And we'd been in a, a word that was very much like this. It was a word where we had people from Scarsdale who were rich white people, and we had people from Yonkers who weren't. Huh. And that word was brought together in ways. And the experiences that we had because of that diversity was just so tremendous. It was, it was wonderful. We had older people. We had younger people. But it was just a really colorful diverse word that called upon all of us to really kind of break out of the molds that we've been brought up in, Mm. especially growing up in the sort of the bosom of the church out here in the West. Yeah. And 
to really see things differently. And I have to say, that was probably, for me, as a member of the church, it was probably one of the most formative experiences that I had had ever. When you were in New York? When we were in New York. That's awesome. And so I came, we came to Idaho, you know, frankly, trying to keep that intact. Mm-hmm. And and we looked all over the place. I mean, we looked out in Meridian and Eagle and, you know, Southwest. We just could not find a place that felt right to us. You didn't and find diversity in Meridian? We we could not find a place that felt right to us. <laughs> and so we 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 came to the 13th Ward. Bishop Kowalis, I don't know if you remember yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bishop Kowalis was then the bishop of the ward. He claims that I interviewed him for an hour <laughs> before we committed <laughs> to buy our house. <laughs> but but the point was is that we were very we, you know we were very careful because one we didn't want to lose you know the feeling that we'd had in New York of being in a place that was kind of a you know it was the mission field yeah and second a place that had such diversity and we couldn't find any any place here we had to come here but we couldn't find any place here that felt quite as comfortable as that, except this ward. Yeah. Now, having said that, going back to the original point, what a place for people who aren't just exactly vanilla copies of the norm right. mm-hmm. to be. And that's the thing that I have always appreciated. That was probably the most rewarding aspect of serving in mm-hmm. a bishopric and then ultimately becoming the bishop in that ward. That's awesome. It's always, it makes me cringe and Steve was mentioning this when Matt was talking about how he felt like the spotlight was on him and because, you know, because you're divorced and you don't fit the mold. And for me, I've never felt that way. Like that I'm being judged or looked down on because of that. And I really believe that a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of that's something we take on ourselves. Like we take on those own, that we think- Things that that we think that people are thinking about us. False beliefs that we believe other people are thinking about us or that they're inferring or, well, they must be judging me because I don't fit this mold or whatever. And so it's, yeah. And And, I know you know that, Matt. And that's based on past learned experiences, past experiences where that was the case or- Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Matt did the same thing. That's why he said he was the silent backbencher. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But he was faithful, came to church. Yeah. The yep. fact is, is that we're all trying to be better people. Yeah. And, you know, the church just happens to be one place where you can really work on that. Yeah. And in a place where you can feel accepted. But I think the thing you have to do to really take advantage of the opportunities in the church, there are two things, actually. You have to actually live the gospel in the sense that you have to be Christ-like. And actually, it's not exclusive to Christianity, right? No. The whole concept of loving other people and treating people like we want to be treated, regardless of who they are, what color, what background, what sexual orientation, anything that is different is not part of that equation. Right. Love is unconditional. The other thing is, is that we often get trapped in our own biases. Yes. Our own own preconceptions. And and sometimes it's it's a feature of of the very limited <laughs> world that we might live in mm-hmm. or grow up in. I mean, I grew up in Twin Falls, Idaho. <laughs> Talking about a vanilla place. Yeah. Right? But over the course of experience, but but even if even with that background, I think the point is is that if we love one another. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning, the common denomination here is that we care about each other. We care about each other. Yeah. We love each other. And that is not exclusive to our faith. Nope. It's not exclusive to our community, our city, our neighborhood. The point is, is that that should be going on everywhere. Yeah. It's sad that it doesn't. Yeah. 
But the other thing I would say is that it's we also handicap ourselves when we do it to ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In other words, we come we come with a fear that we're not the same mm -hmm. right. as everyone else. And, and I, mean, I think so many people suffer from that. Oh, I yeah, so many of us do. All of us. Oh, it, our our word should be the poster child for it. The thirteenth word. <laughs> really it's very diverse because yeah. not fitting the norm is the norm. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> Well, the, and who really does fit that? I mean, like, it's no. a very small percentage that actually fits, like, this nuclear family of whatever we've told yeah. ourselves life should look like. Right. It's a very small percentage. I'm sure there are pockets of homogeneity. I of mean, course. I, I know there are. Yeah. But the point is, is that if we're really going to test our capacity to love other people, we love other people, regardless yeah. of who they are. Right. You know, what faith they come from, what community they're, whatever. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and we feel comfortable about it. I mean, feeling as comfortable with you at Pride as as I would feel anywhere else. Yes. You know? Yeah, Jerry came to Pride with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve loves that. And it I wasn't, do love that. I love and that it wasn't experience. all about politics. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Did you know Jenna and Casey came and marched in the parade? That's awesome. I think just this past Pride. Oh, wow. Past, you know. Yeah, last, last year. Pride. Yeah, 2019. Since there isn't yeah. one, there's right. no parade. That was my first year I ever went yeah. to Pride. Yeah. So, <laughs> so going back, so when you were called Bishop, right? Shortly after you called me as your executive secretary, I did. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> we you want really? the real reason, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> did it, I love yeah. this. Didn't I have you sign a confidentiality agreement? <laughs> nope. Oh, darn. <laughs> um, well, it goes back to the comment I made earlier. This is somebody I, I just, I need to know this person. Yeah. There's something about him. There's a goodness. But then there's a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's with a lot of us. I need to be close to him. And him to me. And you know what? Just the feeling. I think I need more caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> but Jerry's all chucked up. One here. of my emotions that I remember about this time when you called him to that calling was the same thing of like complete gratitude that here was this man that I admired and looked up to. And right. my husband and I are struggling. And I know he's a good man. And I, I love him. And I knew that this would be a good thing for all of us. Like that it was going to bless us just by having you have a relationship with Matt. And so I remember thinking, this is so great. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. so glad. Whatever time he needs to devote to being with Jerry. <laughs> well, so, so, so let me just, let me just flesh this out a little bit for your, <laughs> for your listeners. You guys all understand this, but I was thinking about this before I came over. You know, we talk a lot about responsibilities of service in our church. I don't think this is exclusive to our church. No. I think people who have the responsibility and the temperament, and hopefully both, to try to help other people receive inspiration. I agree. And I would just say this. I don't remember exactly the moment, but with you, as with a lot of other things that happened when I had the the opportunity to serve as bishop, 
I received guidance. I received guidance. And, you know, I could have been, I could have been a pastor down at the Cathedral of the Rockies. I think I would have received the same guidance. Yeah. But the point was, is that in that kind of responsibility or that kind of calling, as we say in the church, in that kind of focus, which is all about other people, you know, it's all about helping other people. If there is a God in heaven, he wants to help people who are ready to help other people. I, I love that you acknowledge that, that that's not something strictly no. a part of the LDS church, that it's... No. That you, that, you, that you feel that someone would receive inspiration on how to help other people, someone who has a genu- genuine desire to help help someone. Exactly. I firmly believe that, too. You know, I, I think I, I can say this even from experience. I've been in, in so many settings. Of course, this is partly my wife's fault, but, <laughs> but you know, there, for her, there are no boundaries, right? Everybody's the same. And so we get into these interfaith, ecumenical yeah. experiences. I mean, every faith group. And because of that, I've had these amazing experiences with people of other faiths, including leaders in other faiths, and the opportunity to talk to them and see <laughs> what's your experience like. And, you know, I, uh, one of my very dearest friends has been kind of a senior leader uh, member of the Boise Islamic Center, the Islamic community. I have two really dear, dear friends who are Muslims. And one of them is Bosnian Muslim, but the other one is actually, he's been a leader. And I mean, we have sat together and talked about our faith experiences. Yeah. And his are very much like mine. Yeah. And, and frankly, a lot of his beliefs and a lot of his motivations and a lot of the direction in his life is completely analogous to mine. And yeah. so why would I not? Because you all want to help people. Right. And the only thing that gets in our way are those prejudices, the biases, yeah. the uh, fear we have. Yeah. yeah. You know, the other thing I would say is this. One of the things that has been formative for me, not just serving as bishop, but, you know, I took a year to, to go, uh, frankly, extend my mission, so to speak, by running for office. And I spent time with so many different people, people of every background, Every uh, one night, I spent the evening with folks who were there to tell me and others who were in the group about their experiences with being transgender. And I can't tell you that I fully appreciated that experience, yeah. but I welcomed it and I talked to them afterwards and asked questions. I mean, it was just such a formative experience. The problem that we confront, and it's not just us, it's Society in general. Society in general. I think we have to be very sensitive to the fact that sometimes we miss opportunities for learning and for sharing just by being afraid Mm. of something that's different. I agree. And by the same token, you know, we might miss it because the other person is afraid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they're afraid how we're going to accept them. Yeah. Right. So the only thing we can do is just open our hearts and and just let people know. Yeah. And the only way you do that is, you know, you got to talk to them. Yeah. Right? With you got to show up. You got to show up. So I know that 
so my experience as being an executive secretary with Bishop Sturgill was the fact that it opened up my eyes to like, whoa, here's this, here's this congregation of people, not only congregation, but here's this area of people that we're all involved with and we can all help. And it, it was, it was that, yeah. that opening up of the eyes of understanding, well, there's a lot of people to be that need help. There's yeah. a lot of people that just need love. Can I comment on that? Because, yeah. because you know, that's there's a point there that I'm sure I didn't articulate, and I can't even remember if it was part of the original inspiration. But the one thing about those opportunities to serve is that it helps us heal. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so part of it, I am sure, and I remember having this thought that you needed to be just like I did. You and I needed to be at work helping other people at we that did. point. Yep. Because if that, if anyone was going to be helped by that, you were, I was, we both were. Right. And the fact that you shared that experience with me was, of course, you know, that's a very, very intimate, personal, mm -hmm. deep experience to be in those settings together. Right. And not only were you the executive secretary, but I actually asked you to be my counselor. Yeah. So shortly after that. Which is almost like getting married. <laughs> <laughs> we spent yeah, a lot of time together. Yeah, we did sleep we did. in the same room sometimes. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did have me go to his uh, was his in-law's cabin and help flush the yes, toilets. Yes, you did. You helped in me. preparation for the winter. You helped me winterize <laughs> the cabin. I didn't know that was part of a counselor's <laughs> I don't remember the this. You weren't there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not, it's not technically part of the calling. <laughs> it was our trip when we went down to the general conference with the, oh, with yeah. the youth. And, yeah. Yeah, and then we traveled back together. And yeah, no, we, we took were, a detour. We were up to our elbows together. Yeah. I literally think that you probably saved our marriage. I mean, maybe... We would have gotten through, but there were moments that, and this is why we said poor Jerry, because I remember just Matt and I being in the thick of it in your office. And I know I was there regularly. I don't know how often Matt was there, but you guys saw each other enough. Then. Right. And I remember that last time we were just talking about this last week when I left, like I was like, I am out of here. I'm done with this. I can't handle it anymore. And you telling me I had to go back. <laughs> I remember I was so mad. You were totally, I knew you, do you were remember that conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this part I do so remember. <laughs> and just that feeling of, okay, fine. And I told the guys last week, I felt like I had humbled myself so low and that now I needed to go even further and just feeling like well, you had felt, it you'd could crush me. You'd humble yourself to the point where you left. You yes, were done. I couldn't do anymore. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And you then had to do more. I yeah. then had to do more. I wouldn't let her leave. What do you remember of that, Jerry? Well, it was hard. I could see how hard it was. And I remember just feeling the pain that you were going through. Yeah. But then, but then I thought, just hang in there. Yeah. This will work out. I felt that pretty graphic. I mean, I felt that there was hope. But there was hope only because I was beating the tar out of this guy. Out of Matt. <laughs> and yeah. what did, what did Just that give look me like? time. What did that process look like? It was hard. The process was this. Every <laughs> single conversation literally ended like this. Just make sure you tell her you love her. Yeah. 
every single conversation, even if it was, Hey, here's this and this, and you know, just a hand, you know, handing over some Bishop materials. He would always ask me, make sure you tell her you love her, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause practice maybe helps to make perfect. The, the fact is, is that he had a very hard time. Do you mind if I say this? No. We're he, open. He had yeah. a very hard time about being open. Yeah. And sharing his feelings and his emotions. And it was like prying a clam open sometimes. And that was the hard part, is that you were having such a hard time really communicating and connecting with Jess on an emotional basis. Yeah. And, you know, you were struggling. I think it was it was clear. And whether it was struggling with kind of what is now your <laughs> your your very constructive and positive relationship as a threesome, I mean, like that was part of it. Mm-hmm. It was part of it. You were struggling because you still couldn't find the norm, right? Right. That's an interesting way to look at it. Was was that but part that's of it? Very. I bet that's partially true. Me and Jessica's relationship, or was- no, just struggling to find the norm. I think like. Your adult life had never been what was considered normal. Right. Your first marriage, our marriage, our relationship with Steve. Like it's never been but the one thing normal. I, I do you remember this. I remember this distinctly because one night we came to Penny's birthday party and Steve was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were there. Well, you were both trying to be there. <laughs> yeah. It was my sense. I yeah. could feel the discomfort. There. Which birthday party? Do you remember? I can't remember. It, but it was right after. It was on, you were living in the North End, right? But the point is, the point is, I could see that there were some things that all of you had we to work through. That we were trying to make All of you had to work that through. That probably didn't quite fit. And if you had easily. come to me, I would have strapped you to a chair too. The, Meaning me. Yeah. <laughs> Steve. And said what? <laughs> And that's where you've ended up, isn't it? I mean, that's basically what we've all tried to do. To embrace those uncomfortable situations. Right. See how we felt afterwards and then communicate about it. Well, and just the fact that you're talking about it. Yeah. Like right now. Yeah. That's such a constructive, positive, loving thing. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So congratulations for that. Oh, gosh. (laughs) But getting here was hell. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and i wasn't here for the whole thing so no yeah, congratulations God. yeah so you performed matt and jessica's marriage Jerry. <laughs> yeah. can we yes. talk about I, this i feel like he, he had an obligation to make sure that our marriage was you know intact because he was allowed to quote princess bride at our <laughs> marriage ceremony so could, could we could we get a, a repeat of that quote please <laughs> Mowage. <laughs> Mowage is what brings us here today. <laughs> Literally how the wedding started, right? Yes, exactly. that is how the wedding started. <laughs> yeah. And so we knew it was going to be a special wedding. <laughs> it was perfect. It was. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good day. Well, yeah. And that, yeah, I guess oh, part God. of this is the fact that I was there at that moment and felt some responsibility yeah, that, to make sure that, it worked. That probably played a role in you it counseling the two of them a I, year or two years If I hadn't married them, marriage. I would have never paid attention to either one of them. <laughs> I don't believe that. I think you're right. But he, he, he would have been like, yeah, this sounds awful. Give up, guys. <laughs> no, no. So no, by kidding. then, by then, you know, this all started, of course, with with Steve, you, and you, 
Jessica, because mm-hmm. we just adored you, loved you. I mean, saw you all the time, etc. And then this guy shows up, Matt, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And then it starts evolving between Jessica and Matt. And that seems like a good thing, mm-hmm. right? But there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah. And so to the extent that I could help, I did. I'm sure you got help from a lot of other sources too. But again, the common denominator is just we, and I say this because it was not just me, it was my wife. Maybe maybe my wife more than anybody. (laughs) She absolutely loves each one of you. Yeah. Well, actually... Steve first, Jessica <laughs> second, and you came later. So I'm yeah. glad we got that hierarchy worked out there. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I think he's just saying that to make you feel good. <laughs> you should well, interview her. When are you going to put her on the show? No we really should. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I know I had talked to Chris during this time and stuff, and I knew she knew things were a struggle. Like yeah. there was anybody who really knew us at all. Right. Could tell instantly that we weren't okay. Yeah. But I like as far as in-depth conversation goes, I mean, you were you took the brunt of that for sure, of a safe place where I felt like I could be honest in this time yeah. where I, I couldn't I talked to my parents, they knew I was a mess, but there were things that like even in the moment I couldn't tell them because I knew it would just send them in a tailspin of mm. worry and panic. And they were already worried enough. And then the other person I felt comfortable with was Steve. Sure. And I was trying to figure out that balance of how much I confide in him still. And I was like, well, the bishop is safe. So, <laughs> so I know you took a lot of it. And even to the extent that you sent me to like several different counselors and ultimately to your counselor who I loved. And that was, a, I only went a handful of times, but man, that was so good for me and something I really appreciated and kept me sane quite a while to good. realize, okay, yeah. it's okay. If you're and remind me of things like if you're choosing to stay in this, you have to figure out how this relationship works for you now. Like, how do you show up in this? What does work? Right. So, well, and it was you know it was also just the the evolution of Matt really being able yes. to overcome. Let's let's get into that evolution a little bit because when so the norm for somebody who's either getting married outside of the temple or remarrying at that time was, okay, after a year, now you can get married in the temple. And Jessica goes into the meeting with the stake president and bless his heart, basically says, Jessica, you're not getting married to this guy in the temple. And then not getting sealed. Not, yeah. Not getting sealed to this guy and, and then not even giving me an opportunity to go in and meet with him right after right. that. And so and that was emotional for you, man. That, you talked was, about that in the last episode. Yeah, I remember that. It that was, was emotional. And it was, was there's a norm buster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, okay. And I don't know what I would have said in that conversation. I don't know what, you know, but ultimately after that year, we weren't set up you, for the you norm. We meeting the norm. Yeah. Yeah. The expectation. And we worked through that. Yeah. But it took a lot of work. I actually now I remember that. I remember that moment. You were very frustrated. But then at the same time, it's because you weren't fighting ready. the norm. I wasn't ready. Right? You weren't ready. Right. You weren't ready. I think the reaction to it denoted too, they just weren't quite ready. But thank goodness. Yeah. 
thank goodness you stuck with it. You know, and thank goodness that you've been so supportive, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, uh, <laughs> I was just thinking and, about and all, the times, laugh. all of the times oh. that Steve would tell me, just give it time. It's going to be yeah, okay. I, I really hope you and Matt make it. I just <laughs> there were a lot of those moments. Yeah, I had to talk you off the ledge a couple times, <laughs> yes. Jessica. So I have a question for you, too, Matt and Steve. What, when did you become friends? Were you friends before? Yeah. We were mountain biking buddies that's before Jessica and Matt really started dating. Yeah, that's what I thought. So you'd known yeah. each other before. Yeah. So Steve, and, and we've, we've told this on our podcast, is that Steve yeah. was the first person right after I had moved, like I'd moved into the ward and they moved in right shortly after. And we were in Elders Quorum. This is when Elders Quorum, we were meeting up on the choir stand. Right. And for some reason we needed a pen and I borrowed a pen from him. But he made it an effort, I felt like, to come sit next to me. Yeah. Yeah. And befriend me. So, so. We, we had a, literally from day one, we had a foundation of mutual respect and friendship. Is that before friendship. you and Steve, you and Jess were married? or This is when one? I had moved back and Jessica and I were dating. Okay. And, and I didn't know that at the time. Like, right. I, because when, when they walked in, and I've told this story too, they walked in together as a couple with Penny, and I'm like, but Jessica walked in first. And I was like, oh, she's cute. And then here totes in, a, you know, their daughter. And then here comes Steve, walks in and sits next to him. I'm like, oh, right. she's taken. Yeah. So I, I, I was just thinking, if only I had known going up and sitting next to you intentionally and introducing <laughs> myself and becoming friends, like, if only I had known that you would be her future husband. <laughs> what, a, what a small, small world. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Never, never would have guessed it when I loaned you my pen. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we appreciate the work that you've done. And the fact is, I know you've done so much good for so many other people. Yeah. I mean, if you've helped Matt and I, who I felt like we were relatively stable individuals in a, yes, tough situation and trying to make our marriage work. But then I also know there's a lot of people that didn't have it as good as us that you were helping as well and that I'm sure it was even harder and it opens my mind or my eyes up to see how many people really need help yeah. and that's yeah. what I you look, know the story you don't know behind everybody right. and what they're struggling with and yeah. I just always think of that look at what was involved in just these two relationships me and Jessica <laughs> and then Matt and Jessica as just two couples in a huge world full of people like that's yeah. a lot the things that I'm sure you yeah. have dealt with and but helped I've, people through I want to talk about when you came to Pride with me, though, Jerry. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll close it out with so, that. So Pride weekend in Boise is always Father's Day weekend. Yep. And I'm trying to remember exactly what led up to this, but I think I had gone to... Well, I think it's funny that I always... I, I, I love this combination. Just It's just very significant of how my life is, where Saturday is all a Pride celebration and celebrating my sexual orientation. and And then... The next morning, I get up and go to church to hear Penny sing a Father's Day song to me. And I just, I don't know, I love, I love that. But that's just how my Pride Weekend has always been in Boise. So I went to church and heard Penny sing her song. And afterwards, we were chatting. Yeah. If I remember how all this went, we were chatting. And I was saying, oh, yeah, I'm heading back to Pride. And Penny's going to, you know, she and I are going to Pride right after this. And which is also an interesting experience for her <laughs> to go to church and then immediately go to Pride. But um, this is when you were running for office. and. I don't remember what, like where it went in the conversation, but somehow I was like, Jerry, come, 
come to Pride and like come get to know the gays, like win their votes. <laughs> and, and I think I did. You did. And I'm you were like, sure you did. And you were like, <laughs> okay, like yeah. give me an hour and I'll ditch the suit and tie and right. come join you at Pride. And you did. And I just thought that was so cool. Like, I have a picture. I'll have to post. Well, we should post that picture. Send week. it to I me. I think I have that picture. Do you? But, uh, yeah, no, no, awesome. no. That's, that was a great experience. I, I mean, look, the point is, is that everybody needs help. Everybody needs I help. I needed help. <laughs> everybody needs help. You helped help. me overcome things, right? By inviting me to come to Pride. And that's I, probably the first invitation you'd gotten to Pride. I think <laughs> that's, it, that's I'm a... sure it was. <laughs> but and you mentioned that you weren't going to to get votes. I know that's what I brought it up. Was like, hey, come to get to know. Yeah, the there was gay nothing community. political yeah, about it. But you, yeah, it was. But very the much a show um, of support, which it meant yeah. the world to me. And and I would just say this: the fact is, is that, and I'm sure you've said this to everybody you've talked to, and this is certainly the example you're setting for everybody. Is just don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be afraid to have new experience. And don't dismiss things because of failure of understanding and and fear. I also believe, and I believe this is just a matter of my faith, and again, I don't think this is exclusive to us in our faith. It's got to be for everybody. But the notion of salvation, which is that we will somehow end up all okay in the end, that isn't just something that happens because of individual effort. I'm convinced it has to happen. If it's going to happen, it happens through collective effort. And and that collective effort, you know, the frequency of it, the intensity of it, the overcoming of the fear, the, the engagement with people completely outside of what we're familiar with is so important to that. And I think that's that's my definition. <laughs> of salvation so jerry when are you going to start your own podcast i feel like you have like all of this <laughs> wisdom and knowledge you could share with people <laughs> oh that's a good idea i, I think you even should, i think it. you should start one and can honestly, i borrow your can Chris, i borrow your recording equipment? yeah yeah you can come record in our super nice basement office here yeah. uh yeah. And, and chris can be there keeping you humble sure <laughs> <laughs> which is she does a lot the um no, this is awesome. I think it's great that you're podcasting. I don't know that I could ever be a podcaster, but... Hey, you're telling us you have a YouTube channel. I do have a YouTube channel. <laughs> That's part of my church responsibility. <laughs> I'm trying to think out of the box. That was really interesting to me hearing how like, how you're having to go about... Because now you're in a stake calling, right? Yes. So no longer a bishop, but right in the stake and having to deal with all of that through COVID and... Yeah, it's been really no interesting. In person meetings all yeah. on YouTube or Zoom or yeah. kind of fascinating. Yep. You know, sometime uh, uh, maybe after we turn the mics off, you can stop editing it here. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I have to tell you the story about my evening once with my Muslim friends. Mm. Yeah, we want to hear it. And what led, what followed that was so amazing. So amazing. It's awesome. And, uh, it's just a good example of how <laughs> I can't believe all the things we would miss. Like, what if I hadn't come to Pride? Right. Or what if I hadn't gone to this event that my my friend Saeed invited me to? Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. What? What would I have missed? Some new 
some some bit of knowledge and perspective yeah, and on life some and expanding understanding or, expanding opportunity to really learn and to grow and i i feel i feel sorry for people who don't take that up hmm. who don't really respond to the to the opportunities that present themselves i i also think it comes a lot and this is where my wife is such a great example it comes from just you know crashing through the boundaries and going to be with people who aren't like us who will help us to better understand ourselves by understanding the differences among us and overcoming those differences and finding what we all have in common and what we all have in common is we want to be happy but you yeah. definitely have to come into those scenarios with an open mind of wanting to learn yeah and that's not true. coming in with oh i'm Pretty totally right yeah. and these yeah and that's where right? that's where the limitations of experience often frankly shut people down they they are barriers to those kinds of experiences because people reject them because of prejudice bias fear trepidation mm -hmm. hesitation i mean sometimes these opportunities are lost in a blink yep, yep. so anyway yeah. well thanks for being here yeah yeah no, thanks for fun. being part of our lives for the last 15 yeah. years ish <laughs> Thank something you for like everything. that we appreciate well, it. We appreciate your time. Of our lives, really, for sure. I say that not just for me, but for for our family, for Jenna and Casey and Chris and everybody <laughs> in our family. If I end up in a relationship anytime soon, you're going to counsel me and him too. <laughs> not I'm in kidding. any. I'll, I'll not in any official capacity. <laughs> but yes, I'd be happy to. Which, by the way, the views expressed here are my own. <laughs> they are not, not official views. So I have to tell you this story because it's kind of funny. <laughs> well, thanks, Jay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Husband-in-Law. All right, now we have a challenge for you. We challenge you to go give someone a huge hug or send a simple gratitude note who needs to receive it specifically from you. If you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't subscribed yet, please be sure to do so now. Also, don't forget to give us a review. We read every single one of them. Until next time, keep striving to make your relationship the best it can possibly be.